Hi, and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to find and follow your purpose. I'm your host, Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the Network for Transformational Leaders, also the creator of Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. Every week, I interview some of the world's leading thought leaders who not only share their life stories, but practical tips and advice on how you can become the highest version of yourself and build a life in alignment with your soul. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and open your free account so you can see behind the scenes videos of our interviews and get your free Pearls of Wisdom ebook. Join our community of changemakers, making a difference on the planet. Making a di- making a di- and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me a really good friend of mine, Sandra Craffin. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited. (laughs) That's a good way to be. Um, I wanted to bring Sandra on Kitty Talks this morning because although she's she's a fantastic friend of mine, I am totally in awe of how she has transformed her life. You will hear so much about this wonderful woman's story and journey. And to me, she is an incredible, incredible inspiration about how she has come through things like uh, food addiction and drug and alcohol addiction. And now she shows up in the world as a health and well-being coach. She's a registered nurse by background uh, and she has been operating as a health and well-being coach for the last 10 years. So, Sandra, thank you so much for joining me this morning. My absolute pleasure. So do you want to just explain, obviously I've just touched on what you do, but do you want to tell our audience how you, what you do and who you kind of serve in the world? Yes, I now, I have a very sort of varied um, type of arena of where I work. So mainly it's one-to-one coaching with clients. Either they come to my home or they are coached by Skype and occasionally by phone. I also go on cruise ships as a speaker and do talks normally annually on health and well-being, stress management, effective communication, how to build really healthy relationships. And I do a little bit of corporate work. So I go into companies and talk about stress management mainly. So those are sort of the things that I do most of the time. And my coaching varies from people coming to me with just no purpose or they want to feel happier in their body or perhaps they've got some confidence issues or self-esteem issues or just want some better time management. So you name it, I seem to work with it. And you obviously specialise in well, health and well-being and you have come through the most incredible journey yourself. So, you know, you, no one is better educated than you to help others who are battling uh, maybe their self-esteem issues or their body issues um, so would you mind kind of telling the audience a little bit about your transformational journey and how it all started for you? Well, I guess I was like a lot of people just keep on doing my own little thing. You know, I had three nice 
lovely children that I was bringing up with a husband who worked at the time permanent night duty. And I worked in a doctor's surgery as a practice nurse, actually, for many years. And it was a bit sort of hit the road and run every morning. And that's what I repeated over and over again. So I'd wake up, three kids, get them to school, go off to the doctor's surgery. I worked sort of part the time, tell everybody what to do, how to have a happier, healthier life, come home sort the kids out, be with my husband, and then repeat the same thing. But what I noticed when I was in my 30s was the suggestions I was making to other people were rather hypocritical because I was smoking and I was doing a running a smoking clinic. I was at least facing overweight and telling people not to charge about shoving food in the mouth and be more mindful, which I wasn't doing. I was in a marriage that was seriously in trouble and about to break down and telling people to spend more time communicating more effectively to their partners. So I guess in all intents and purposes, I don't like to call myself disrespectful names because that's just not lovely, but I was quite hypocritical because I was telling people what to do, talking the talk, Kitty, and not walking the walk. And when did that kind of become a problem? Because quite often we're on this treadmill and we're kind of just going through the motions of life. What what happened to cause you to change? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, one people said, did you have an aha moment? And it wasn't really. I just carried on repeating the same behaviour. Started using sort of slimming tablets and was constantly on a diet and drinking a bit too much and going out to nightclubs and feeling sorry for myself, playing the blame game. And my mother... My, in fact, my father died 20 years ago, um, actually, this year. And my mum must have detected that I was going off the rails at some level, although I looked like I was holding it all together in all intents and purposes. So she said to me, why don't we go away to a spa? So we went to Champneys Health Spas, which actually I'm now a speaker at, ironically. 20 years ago, she took me five days. Most people don't have enough funds unless you're wealthy to stay in a spa for five days have every treatment going and that's what we did October 1997 my mum plucked me out of this sort of unmanageable environment and I think she sensed I was having a bit of a breakdown I, I didn't even notice to be honest I was just too into my life so off we went to Champions my father died of asbestos lung cancer and had had a bit of a handout quite a lot of money so that's what she used and that was the first moment where it was about me for the first time in my life really where I was able to rest and have reflexology and aromatherapy and treatment and started to look and think I don't really love myself you know I'm giving out to everybody else my children my nursing career constantly giving I wasn't really looking at what my needs were so that my probably was the catalyst of the transformation. Well, so were you using the kind of alcohol and then the food then as a way of escapism? Absolutely. So I was using alcohol and even didn't drink a lot compared to what you think people say is addictive. But I certainly used alcohol as a relaxant. And I actually went into a 12-step program just six weeks before I went to the spa. I was thinking about the talk today, but I want to be very accurate. So six weeks before I went to Shanties, I actually had gone into a 12-step program um, for addiction. So I'd obviously realised I'd got issues. And then that was sort of like the beginning of it, really, because I was overeating. I was starting to do 
have a little bit of bulimia. I was, and they were all not all the time. It was just sometimes. So I wasn't this addict who woke up in the morning and had to have a drink and, and binged my brains out. It didn't happen like that. It was very subtle. So it was consistently very subtle. And it wasn't until all those things started to get removed one at a time. Because I didn't do it all. I stopped drinking. And now I address the cigarettes. And now I address the weight. And then I address the marriage. So it all was a very slow process over a period of time. Mm, but I think what you're describing is, a, is something that a lot of women face because, you know, we're out working, we're out running the household, we're looking after the children. It's quite, it's quite a kind of easy thing for a woman to do to lose herself. So it's absolutely, yeah. And I love that, what you said, I lost myself. And slowly but surely, by the sounds of things, you had to piece that back together. Absolutely. I didn't know where to start, to be honest. And I think that's where I have some a belief in a power greater than me, a universal belief in something, faith, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, I really felt that I need guidance. I'm powerless over all this lifestyle. I didn't know really where to start. I was constantly blaming other people. Well, if only I'd have had three girls instead of three boys, if only they helped me. If only my husband understood. If only, if only, what about, you know, rather than take responsibility for some of the choices that I've been making, which was I was a bit of a martyr about, you know, I want to be the perfect wife, perfect mother, hold it all together, look, I'm a nurse, hey, look at me, I can have all my washing and ironing done and dinner on the table. It doesn't matter that I'm nearly burnt out by the time I've finished my day. Mm, but that's a really interesting point you say about taking responsibility. I think when we... We have to shift don't we from it it happens to us that actually so like you said you had to take responsibility that you were the person really at the core and the center of this yeah what part did I play I'm not taking responsibility as in all the you know there were things that were being done to me but why was I allowing that to be why was I allowing people to put on me where were my boundaries where was my authenticity where was my ability to say no actually I can't do that I'm not able to do that and I, but I can do that. I've learned so much. You know, I wrote a book last year as well, all about it called Know the Truth, about the tools that I've created. I have tools that help people, myself first and others, in the how do you do that? And the better I take care of me, the better I am on the planet. I now get it. So is that the advice you'd have for, because what I love about your journey is you've almost, you've gone through this massive transformation um, and now you help others, you know, so it's almost like your greatest pain has become your greatest gift because you've taken, um, rather than let it define you, now use it to help other people who are going through that same experience. Um, what advice would you have? Maybe you've, there's a female listening that is struggling with running her household day to day. And she, do, you know, she can't tune into what she's here, her passion and purpose, because she's too bogged down in the day to day running of things. What advice would you have for somebody listening? Slow down. Mm -hmm. The very first thing is just breathe, you know, take a little bit of time out, just five, ten minutes, and get a piece of paper and write down specifically what your challenge is. I have heard a zillion clients come to me and say, I'm so stressed. Specifically, what is it? What are the areas? When I can get some clarity in what areas I'm challenged with, what's going on then I've got much more insight to see what actions I need to do, you know, what solutions there, what possibilities are there. 
stop for a minute. You know, I didn't, my backside didn't touch the seat. Mm. You know, and yesterday I, you know, for example, I'm in the most amazing marriage now. Oh my God, I'm so happy with this man. I'm grinning from ear to ear because he's been off work for a few weeks and not, he wasn't very well, but he got better very quickly and he's still off sick and it's wonderful because he's gardening and we're having coffee. And, and yesterday afternoon we had all these plans of things to do. We've been so busy. And he said, do you know what? He said, I think we need to stop and listen to our body. I mean, you know, this is a guy who's, who drives a cement mixer, for God's sake. And here I am, the health coach. And I thought, oh, my God, he listens. Because I don't preach to him and I just do it myself. I said, what do you think we should do? Go, I think if I take care of myself and listen to my body, I need to have a nap. And then we can have a takeaway instead of go out to the cinema like we were going to. And then we're going to do some gardening after that. I said, it's a great idea. So 4.30 yesterday, we went to bed, had a lay down for an hour. He slept, I rested, got up, had a takeaway. Did I want to go to the pictures? Yeah. Did I want to go out for dinner? Yeah. But actually, taking care of myself and slowing down, I knew was the right thing. So I forgot the question now. But <laughs> that's for, the for, busy, for busy months, because obviously, you know, yeah. that, that sounds wonderful. Slow down. Slow down. You know, you might not get those opportunities. I have no children at home. You have to look at or you know that's unrealistic for someone with lots of children maybe but you might take the time for a bath you know you might be able to get someone to look after your little ones just while you get a bath and five minutes to focus on yourself for a minute have a look at your to-do list how realistic is it you know I had these massive to-do lists I mean I still can be a little guilty of that but you know prioritize slow down but first and foremost start putting yourself first that's what I would suggest every woman and every man starts to practice. Very difficult because we put our children and we put our holidays and our job and our husband or partner all before ourselves. But it doesn't work. If I'm unavailable because I'm burnt out and exhausted and stressed, I'm not going to be so available to give all what they need. You know, I can't meet everybody's needs. I'm fed and rested and watered and I'm tuned into myself and I'm really taking care of myself well, then I'm so much more available when I'm communicating more effectively to help others. Mm. And me at the top of the list. So those women need to put themselves, I believe, at the top of the list, which I didn't used to do. And that's what I choose to do today. And when did you know, obviously, after sort of chipping off these different things, different challenges, I like to call them in your life, when did you know that you wanted to be a health coach? Well, it was really ironic. I had a really difficult um, nursing ending. Um, I'm still actually doing a tiny bit of nursing. Actually, one of my patients has just died, the last patient. I won't be interestingly enough, but I had been doing some nursing right up to two weeks ago. Um, your question was, when did it, um, when did I realise, sorry, repeat that question again. So when did you know that you wanted to be a health coach? Oh, yes. So I didn't really, um, I never, ever, it was never something I ever thought about. It was after I'd had some coaching with a coach, by sheer fluke, I met the coach who I worked with. Well, I say fluke, sheer fluke, there's no such thing. It was... It was orchestrated from the universe, I believe. And I went to, an, I, uh, to a 12-step meeting and met somebody who was a coach. I didn't know it was a coach. And my nursing, I had been um, 
suspended from my job. I had had some really terrible situation happen in my nursing, which was all sorted out and got all cleared out. It was quite traumatic. And I went to, uh, to a, one, uh, one, a 12-step meeting and met this guy, and I just started to talk to him, and he was a life coach, an NLP, master practitioner, life coach, all accreditations, quantum physics guru, which I knew nothing about. And he coached me. So he didn't make anything better. He didn't tell me what to do. He spent time coaching me. And I was so blown away by the experience of, because also I'd, I was under quite a lot of pressure with my marriage at the time. I was um, stopping smoking and drinking and overeating. Then I had this trauma and I didn't know how to manage it. So his coaching was very therapeutic for me. And then one day I said, what are you doing to me? Because when I leave your house, I feel amazing compared to when I came in. So what is it you're doing? And he told me all about what he did. And I said, I'd love to learn. So I started on a little journey. I did like an open university six-week course to start with, or six-month course, just to get a taster. And then I paid a huge amount of money. When my nursing finished in that particular job, um, it, it all ended very amicably and it was beautifully ended. But I sort of feel I was orchestrated to go down that road. It wasn't a, it didn't feel like a choice. It felt like the universe wanted me to be a coach. And then I had my own business and done my uh, accreditations and website and all the things that you do to support your own business. So I was very blessed to have that guy who to this day is my coach who's 81. Wow. And what was he doing in those sessions? What was it that he was doing? Was he... Well, neuro-linguistic programming is what he was doing. Neuro is your brain, linguistic is words, and programming is about changing behavioural patterns and responses to things like the study of excellence. That's my understanding. I'm sure there's better interpretations. So I think the most important thing he did at all was listen non-judgmentally. You know, and I'll leave a pause there because that is a magical thing that anyone can give to another human being. I think he heard me. He didn't judge me. And then he asked me a series of questions that he was trying to do, which I now do myself, for me to go inside. You know, my company is called Inner Vision, which is all about looking inside. I had the answers. I didn't think I had. I wanted Kitty to tell me or someone else to tell me what to do. I thought, I don't know. But actually, deep down, I do have the answers. And that's what he explored with this very professional expert questioning he was able to get me to dig deep to find out what was really going on for me and that all transpired into me not only feeling better but then finding tools within myself to help me manage difficult situations Mm. sounds like he was helping you reconnect yeah it was amazing the most amazing experience which i'd like to think that i'm able to offer to my clients Mm, yeah really beautiful so tell us a little bit more about some of the amazing sort of success stories of people that you've uh, obviously confidentiality but anyone who you've worked with who has really blossomed through working with yourself well one particular comes to mind who I just finished coaching this morning who's 90 and he came for coaching to have a healthier relationship with his 78 year old girlfriend and that in itself to me is extraordinary. Never too old. <laughs> That's lovely. I mean, um, his girlfriend particularly has found coaching has 
I mean, I've got so many testimonials. I love reading them sometimes, not for my own sense of ego, because it's not about that, but just to see someone have a transformation and improve a relationship is obviously wonderful. So those two cases spring to mind. I coached somebody a while ago, about 18 months ago, who was a senior age to me in her 50s and had a very high-powered job in London where she worked with a very large team of people and was almost unable to remove her phone from her person at any time. because she So high- many people suffer from with that now, don't they? Yes, and we work together. We had, normally I do three sessions with people, and then after that, if they want ongoing coaching, then we discuss it. But generally three sessions will, I believe, really take a good look at what's not working for you and how you want to move forward. Very often people love the coaching so much they then go on to monthly coaching. Some people just have their three and then they might come back for three another time. So they're over six weeks. So she had her three sessions. She said she found it profoundly life-changing. So she then had monthly coaching and now she's on bi-monthly and then um, I think we're having another session in July. But what was so lovely about her was she invited me to her 50th birthday party and 25th wedding anniversary and her husband asked her if she'd had any sort of mental breakdown because within two weeks of us working together she actually left the phone at home in a drawer while they went out for dinner and he was really worried about her because he'd not known that so it was quite I mean not profound to anybody else yes you leave your phone at home but to him he was like oh my god I don't know what Sandra's doing but it's incredible. So she now, I went to this party actually only a couple of months ago, no, a month ago, and it was quite a long trip on the train. And she said, I want you to be there. She said, because if it wasn't for you, my life would not be the same as it is now. It's been transformed. So I went and she mentioned who I was to people. So that was pretty profound. And one young girl wanted desperately to have a baby. And I said, well, I'm not God. But she felt that a lot of her background was stopping her get pregnant. I get emotional now. Hold on, bear with me. And she said that I said I can't get you pregnant. You know that's not I'm not God. And we laughed. And then she said, but I think a lot of stuff is resisting me get pregnant because of stuff that's happened in the past. And on the last session, she came to us. Just wants to let you know I'm expecting a baby. Oh, and she's had two children since then. Now I'm, you know, I don't know. Who knows? She might have got pregnant anyway. A lot of people say, but she believed that it cleared the way for her. I, I coached a young boy who was eight once. I didn't get any payment because I don't actually coach children really. But I did it as a friend, just as a friend uh, uh, to help one of her sons, uh, her partner's son who was having problems with um, the parents fitting up. And we did some work. And I said that it was amazing after one session how his behaviour had changed um, at school just after the one session. So... And I've got many other stories if you want to hear any of so I can. But that's I'd, I'd love to go back to the phone, the phone conversation because I think that's a real, um, it's really apt for everybody listening. Apparently, I read an article the other day that says some people were check their phone as much as to two hundred and seventy times a day. Um, so, what advice would you have for kind of people listening that maybe technology and the phones have taken over their lives? Like, well, I have to tell you a quick story. You know. My- my son, who was one of my sons, was in a coma, and he fights a global word in Brighton Pier. And he was—he is a, an entrepreneurial speaker, and he doesn't have a phone. Doesn't and have one. He doesn't. He won't have one. Okay. He did have one, and he had an old Nokia that was so old that it was like a big house brick, and he, it literally only just took a call and 
sensible, didn't do anything else. He, and bearing in mind, he goes all over the world. He's, you know, 32. You know, he's the sort of guy that you'd have all singing and all dancing. I find it very frustrating, if I'm honest, because I do have a phone and he's supposed to come around this afternoon phone and have to help me with something. So I've emailed him with a wing and a prayer, hoping that he will at least get this email. Um, he did say he would come, but he said, Mum, I think they are a curse and they bring on more stress and anxiety than people would ever know. And I, I don't know that they're a curse, but I think they can be a curse if you use them inappropriate. Like you said, I meditate in the morning for half an hour every day, which I've been doing for 15 years. And this morning, before I meditated, I checked my email. Now, that's not a great idea. And it's not what I normally do. I'm going to America tomorrow, but I don't want to miss anything. And while I was in my meditation, I thought, that's not a great idea because that would have been in my mind. That would have been in my uh, cellular level. I could have been anxious about something. So my suggestion is once you become aware that you do do that, be mindful. Don't have it at the dinner table. We have a rule here that if you're sitting eating with us, you don't answer phones. Mm. Put it away. Turn it off completely at night, unless you've got somebody who you know is you know needing to contact you, an ill person or someone. Be mindful of when you're using it. You know, I do go on Facebook. I'm very disciplined. I have a lot of self-discipline. I only go a few minutes here and there, posting a few minutes. So being mindful and noticing how anxious you feel when you are overdoing it. Generally, your body speaks to you. You'll have an anxiety around it. So I would say all these things are wonderful. If we, It's like anything, if you weigh and measure it. You know, it's about balance. I'm a health coach that is well-being and balance. I, you know, the computers are wonderful. But if you're on it till 2 in the morning, is that really helpful? I'm in bed asleep by 10 o'clock. I don't do... If, you are, if you're a very famous person, you want me to coach you at 11 o'clock at night, I'm not quite coach for you. <laughs> Five o'clock in the morning, I'm on it. Yeah, morning, give it to me. I'm not such a productive coach. You know, you wouldn't get the best out of me. Mm. But no, I think, I think that's really good advice, really good advice, because, you know, it's so easy in today's sort of day and age to be surgically attached to phones uh, and you're right, it's the last thing you want to do first thing in the morning. So very good advice. I think there's a time and a place for, for mobile. Yeah. yeah, And we're all human. You know, people put me on a bit of a pedestal sometimes. Thank you for saying that you respected my journey, but no more than anybody else. You know, if you say, if I did this exactly the other way around, Kitty, there would be things that are phenomenal about you. I think we all have a phenomenal story that's equally as phenomenal as the next person. You know, I really do believe that. We all have... To, we have such potential, such potential. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think what I love is a lot of the people who are coming and being interviewed are, you know, they have had these challenging journeys, but they're now finding a way to serve the greater good. So thank you. I, I still respect that. <laughs> it's exciting because yeah. it's through something hideous that's happened to me. I can laugh and think, yeah, that might help somebody else. People, one thing my mother said, everyone has a gift when they're born. And I said, my mother's Austrian. I said, what's my gift? Sandra, you've got the gift of the gab. And I thought, oh, wow, I didn't have any five. I didn't know what that meant. So I was telling everybody I've got the gift of the gab. And she said, well, actually, it means my dad went, it's not looking good, Sandra. It means you talk a lot. Yeah, but when I think about 
about it. One thing I have a gift in is I love to tell a story. You'll always remember an amazing story, how someone made you feel, and a brilliant story. And that's something I do. And I, I laugh at myself, but in a very respectful way. You know, I, I'm not disrespectful about my journey because it was very challenging for me. And I made some terrible decisions, Kitty, bless me, but I did the best I could. You know, I literally shouldn't be in the same country as my husband, let alone in the same bed. We had so many marriage problems and we're in such an amazing place today. And that is, I'm so grateful for that. And that's a story people love to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Well, these things take work. They don't just happen, do they? They have to hang in there, but... And we are going to have all of Sandra's uh, details, so her website, uh, how you can connect with her going forward in our show notes. Um, but Sandra, I wanted to say thank you for coming on and talking to us today. And, you know, having been around Sandra for the last couple of years, she really does practice what she preaches because you go around for lunch and it's incredible that this, the space and the time and we honor the food. Um, and you really do have embodied everything you talk about, you know, you have really embody into your life, which I think is perfect for somebody doing what you do in the world. Thank you. I think God put me here to do this job, in my opinion. <laughs> well, yeah absolutely and you, you know you've come through a lot to able to enable you to help others so it's fantastic it's wonderful having two lives in the way really, because people look at me oh you're nice and slim and you're not can't imagine me you know shoving three chocolate bars in my mouth smoking like a trooper drinking like a fish and wishing that I was with everyone else's husband except my own um you know and here I am now I can't wait for my husband to come back and have lunch with me when he's playing golf I love it you know I feel like the rest of my life is is my life has been blessed but particularly now that I've taken responsibility for it yeah no I think that's a really valid point that you made right at the beginning I think for people listening you know if your life isn't necessarily where you want it to be and you maybe you don't feel you're following your passion and purpose and you're listening to these interviews and you're thinking how are these people doing what they're doing I think Sandra's very correct in saying the first step is definitely around taking responsibility because it all comes back to you at the end of the day. The only way you're going to create a life that you love is if you take responsibility for that. But thank you for joining us at Kitty Talks and we will see you again next week another with another inspiring guest. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.